everybody welcome back it's a new year we're here we survived the 12 days of misfits brandon did yeah. very well this year yeah what a little bit better this year I, I survived the gauntlet yes 11 and a half out of 12 even though it was more like 11 and a half out of 15 but you know who's really counting but brandon survived we did the 12 days of misfits those of you that are on social media also saw we did five days of counting down our top five episodes so far. And then the fun stuff happened. I got COVID again. Yay. Yeah, not good. Yeah, but I survived. We're here. We're back to start the process of closing down season two. We're not done with season two yet. That comes in that we'll 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 be breaking down in what March, February, something like that, into February. We've got exciting guests, exciting topics lined up. We've got some uh, interesting discussions planned. Um, but in the meantime, we're we we've got a, a fun discussion to kick off the new year today. That's right, and yeah, and kind of get into that, Andrew. I feel like at the start of a new year, people like to set different goals, resolutions up. It seems to be always the trend at the start of, hey, turning of the calendar means new goals for myself. So did you set any resolutions this year? My resolution was to be able to not cough anymore. So I'm working on that one still. <laughs> so I, that, one, I, that one's hopefully going to be done this month. Yeah, it, I, I tested positive for COVID like two days before New Year's. So I was a little uh, a little focused on something other than the actual New Year this year. But what about you? For myself, I've kind of also maybe I don't set like these big, huge expectations out there. There's somebody that's talked about doing like a one word as your goal or word of the year. Um, so I've tried to adopt more of that principle instead. So last year, I feel like my word was peace. Uh, this year it is joy and so kind of being within that content somewhat as well so yeah just finding on better ways to be connected to god's joy and working on that throughout the entire year so yeah it's easier to not have to feel like it's an accomplished thing it's always improving upon it's a focus yeah and that's what that actually does bring us up to today's topic which now everybody's like, wait, I read the episode title and you guys are not talking about joy, even though you've covered half of the other fruits of the spirit. No, that is not <laughs> what we're talking about today. We are, though, talking about this idea of renewing our minds and finding the correct focus. And so we're going to do that today and talk about what does this actually mean about renewing our minds, especially in relation to this idea of a new year and the, the new beginnings and everything else that's upon us. So we're going to start out by reading the passage that this, this idea comes from. And we are going to read the whole chapter, even though it's really only one verse that we are going to be focused in on. But there's a reason why we need to read the whole chapter. And it's not even just to confuse you as to where the Christmas story is like it has been the past however many times we've been doing this for, for Misfits. So That's how my brain is trained now that we're reading the whole chapter and I got to figure <laughs> it 
<laughs> we'll, we'll see if you can find Christmas in here. So <laughs> Romans 12 says this. Therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may discern what is, is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. For by the grace given to me, I tell everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he should think. Instead, think sensibly as God has distributed a measure of faith to each one. Now, as we have many parts in one body, and all the parts do not have the same function, in the same way, we who are many are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another. According to the grace given to us, we have different gifts. If prophecy, use it according to the standard of one's faith. If service and service, if teaching and teaching, if, if exhorting and exhortation, giving with generosity, leading with diligence, showing mercy with cheerfulness. Love must be without hypocrisy, detest evil, cling to what is good, show family affection to one another with brotherly love, outdo one another in showing honor, do not lack diligence, be fervent in spirit, serve the Lord, rejoice in hope, be patient in affliction, be persistent in prayer, share with the saints in their needs, pursue hospitality, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse, rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep, be in agreement with one another. Do not be proud. Instead, associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own estimation. Do not repay evil for evil. Try to do what is honorable in everyone's eyes. If possible, on your part, live at peace with everyone. Friends, do not avenge yourselves. Instead, leave room for his wrath. For it is written, Vengeance belongs to me, and I will repay, says the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For in doing so, you will be heaping firing coals on his head. Do not be conquered by evil, but conquer evil with good. So yes, there's, there's a, a lot, lot in this chapter. Yeah, a lot in there. Um, and like you said, specifically, we're going to be focusing on more of verse 2, but I appreciate you reading all of that. And so I'll, again, just read verse 2 as a kind of honing in part for us this morning, for today. <laughs> Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So Andrew, so, let's kind of break this down further and talk about what it means to not be conformed. Well, first we need to explain why we actually did need to read this whole passage. Because True. this verse we hear all the time, right? Especially yeah. for anybody that is involved in any kind of educational aspect within Christianity or any kind of any of the online debates with among Christianity or anything within some of the older apologetics routes, the idea of not being conformed to the age is a lot of what we normally when people are just focusing in on that part of the verse, the word that comes up a lot of the time is what Brandon don't be. Say, say that again. I'm not following what you're, I thought you were talking about the age. Don't be. Right. When when people when if somebody is going to just talk about this first section, don't be conformed to this age. What's the word that is associated with the idea of conforming to this age by a lot of people in today's world? 
I don't know. There might could be maybe multiple answers. I'm gonna say like social media or something of just sin. If... Well, woke is the word that's normally used, right? Okay, yeah, that could be one if, of them. Yeah, if you are conforming to this age, then you have become woke about something. And we've talked before about the fact that that word is always used incorrectly. But that's not necessarily what is being talked about as far as conforming to this age. The idea of being transformed by the renewing of your mind. Normally, when we talk about that, people are telling us to avoid the social media stuff, to avoid TV, to avoid media in general, because that's going to transform your mind. Mm -hmm. But that's not what Paul is actually talking about here in Romans chapter 12. And so that's why we're going to start breaking this stuff down. And we had to have the rest of the chapter to be able to see what it is that Paul is actually talking about, even though we're going to focus in here on, on two. So yeah, like we said, the, the four parts of this verse are don't be conformed, be transformed, renew your mind. And it's for the discernment of God's will. So that's what we're going to start breaking down here. And then we're going to actually get into what it looks like and why it actually matters. Mm-hmm. So Brand, the first part of this conform. The Greek word I have no chance of pronouncing still without coughing a ton, but it's a very long word. <laughs> and it but it literally means to conform to. But the idea of conforming here is to have an identified shape or outward identifiable pattern. Yeah, the one thing I think of sometimes is the the animal a chameleon. It's very good at that outside form or shape mirrors kind of its environment. It's a little bit of that. It's a little bit more of like the idea of what happens when you have when you have Play-Doh. Because mm. you can take this Play-Doh and you can stick it into any mold you want. And when it comes out, if you've actually done it right and your daughter hasn't left the Play-Doh out for three days without the lid on it, it'll actually conform to the shape that you want it to conform to. <laughs> that was just a random example. Not like that's been happening recently. No. But it it will become identified with what has pressed it together. It can take whatever shape it wants. That's not what we normally hear when we talk about this idea of don't be conformed to the world. Because normally, Brandon, what is it that you always hear people tell, talking about when they say don't conform to the world? They're always talking about what? It's usually more of like giving into things um, or allowing yourself to be, I want to say, speaking with certain people, I guess, that maybe don't agree with you or have the same views as you, kind of being even around them. It can be almost this isolation bubble at times um, is how, how I've seen. Right. The, the see no evil, speak no evil, hear no evil, right? Correct. It's whatever we're associated with in terms of a social social circle has to be 100% Jesus 100% of the time or else you're conforming to the patterns of the world. Yeah. But that's not what this ver this this word actually means. What this means is that you have become identified by this particular thing. This is, you know, this is the opposite of what Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians 9. 
In 1 Corinthians 9, Paul talks about the idea of we go and we become all things to all people so that we might in we might save some. Everything is or not everything is beneficial, but everything is allowed. We don't disqualify ourselves. Mm-hmm. Those sort of things are what Paul tells us to do to avoid conforming to the patterns of the world to the point where we no longer can be identified as any as something that is set apart. Going back to one of our other episodes. Yeah. I think the other thing to point out too is that we're not saying that it's um a free pass to be in whatever said environment you want to be in. There's right. obviously a lot of temptations that um each individual is maybe more prone to than others and kind of knowing those environments to not fall into that slip hold or trap that knowing that you could be conformed. Right. That's why he says don't conform. Yeah. Conforming is bad, but conforming does not mean setting up walls and isolating ourselves off from everybody else so that nobody can conform us. Because the next part of this is we are supposed to be transformed. There does actually have to be change taking place. But this transformation is completely different than a confirmation. The transfer, the word transform is metamorpho, which is to transform, which is the same, same idea that we get with metamorphosis when we're talking butterflies. It's to change your outward shape after being with something but keeping our inward being intact. So I, as, a, as an image bearer, am still an image bearer, even after I change. You know, Andrew still exists, even though I don't look the same that I used to. Mm-hmm. With confirmation, everything changes. With transformation, it's the outward, our outward shape is changed into something new and something better. Yeah, that's not normally what we talk about when we talk about trans, don't be conformed, but be transformed. Normally when we talk about being transformed, Brandon, what's the, the way that it's always presented? I would say it's like a completely... You're, you're not taking the same exact substance maybe, or you're like, you're completing, you're making something completely different almost. Um, right. That's how I'm trying, I'm trying to think of how to say this. Of like, you're not taking that Play-Doh anymore. You're using clay or something. You're using a whole different material. Right. People yeah. are thinking of it as you're completely switching something, but it's really using that same person, that same raw material um, and making it better. Well, and the other, the interesting part of this is the other way that we hear it, because I do like the idea of, you know, conforming would be Play-Doh, transforming would be clay, but both of those are dealing with us personally. Mm -hmm. But normally when we start hearing this verse being thrown around, conforming would be a personal thing, but transforming is supposed to be you are transforming the world around you. Right. That's that's a lot of times what we hear is that you are supposed to go and transform the world around you. 
True. They take it as the Great Commission. <laughs> right. That's the Great Commission. That's not what Romans 12 is dealing with in any way, shape, or form. This entire thing is all personal. It's all about ourselves and not about the world around us in terms of the world around us needing to be changed. Unless the world around us is conforming us to their image, in which case we need to remove ourselves from that setting. But the transformation takes place within us in a permanent sort of setting of this is now the this is now what you are going to look like. This is how people will recognize you. And when that and the way that is supposed to be done is through the word that we actually want to focus on for a while, which is the renewing of our minds. And this idea of renewal is anachinosis, which is a completion of a process of making something fresh, a renovation. And specifically when it's used here in this passage, the understanding is that it's a completion of a process of making something fresh through God's power alone. This is somewhat what we always hear people talking about. This idea of yeah. renewing our minds is about a is about making something fresh. And normally maybe half the time we do actually hear people talking about the fact that this is God doing it. But how does that look? in light of these other words that we just talked about as far as conforming and transforming, if God is completing a process of making us new through his power, what does that mean for conforming and transforming? Well, I'm going to, I'm going to be just throwing out all the examples today. Uh, so we talked about the Play-Doh. We got, we got the clay. The next one I'm going to throw out here, these are all coming to me for some reason is kind of that um, that precious metal or sometimes where you heat it up uh, and it can be then malleable. You put it in a crucible. You can kind of change that shape and form there. I think sometimes what people think about that is with that heating up, there's sometimes that tension. You're changing it. There's that pressure there that's going on. Um, it can be stuff that's uncomfortable, either through trials that we are going through that we'll face while being um in the world but not of the world and just different things too where it's that renewal that is shaping us to look more like christ i think you're you're a step ahead in the process what you're talking about there (laughs) is the conforming and the transforming right it's melted down and it's put into a new shape that would be the transformation and the conformation is your shape is being changed What you're actually talking about there, though, is the refining process to get to Mm -hmm. the actual metal that you want. Mm -hmm. It's taking something that is impure, that has all these other things in it, and burning off the excess to get the actual thing that you are wanting. That is what we are really looking at and talking about, is this idea of God is refining us into what it is that he he wants and is looking for us to be. And there's a very specific reason that that is what 
why, or that is how we know that that is what we are talking about. That's what it is that God is actually renewing. He's not renewing our whole self, even though that's normally kind of how we want to think about it and look at it. He's not renewing our whole selves. That happens post later on, post, yeah. you know, revelation. That's post judgment. What he is refining and renewing now is our minds, our nos, which is our mind, our understanding, or our reasoning. It's a full renovation of how we think and understand and reason. It's basically just a worldview shift. We are no longer focused on the things that can conform us. Mm -hmm. We are now going to allow God to be the one to transform us into what it is that he's calling us to be. And how he does that is not always a fun process for us. But part of the key word that we have here with renewal is that it's a complete process. God is going to bring us to completion. He that began a good work in you will see it to fulfillment. That is what we are talking about. And when that happens, suddenly we see the world differently. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the we see our neighbors piece, differently. We see our community differently. Right. Everything. It's, it's no longer about us. <laughs> yeah. It's no longer about. And that's what we have with the rest of chapter 12, which is why I said it was important for us to read it. Suddenly, when we have this worldview shift, when we talk about the body of Christ, it doesn't matter what body part I am. Because it's not about me. It's about the body. And so if my job is just to show mercy with cheerfulness, then that's my job. Mm -hmm. If my job is just to be, be giving generously, then that's my job. And it doesn't matter what anybody else is doing because it's not about them. You know, our ethics change. It's no longer about ourselves. It's about other people. It's about loving without hypocrisy. It's about doing all of these different things, being patient in affliction, rejoicing in hope, praying all the time, sharing with those that are in need, pursuing hospitality, blessing those that persecute us. Those things don't come naturally because our minds are already conformed to the patterns of this world that say that that's not how we're supposed to be doing it. Mm-hmm. It's a full shift of how we look at the world. And that has to happen for us to do the final thing in this verse, which is understanding the will, the thalama, which is God's best offer for us, is the, the way that I like to, that Strong's words it. It's not just God's will of you have to do this now. God's put the offer on the table. Are we going to accept it? And if God is the one offering it to us, then we know that it is the best offer. Yeah. And we, we've talked about some of this before where I feel like kind of the, the first part, it, it, it seems tangible in a way where, okay, don't be conformed. All right, there's more of this just, um, 
stepping away from the transformation. Okay, I can rest in some of God's truths um, with peace and joy and just some of those fruits of the spirit of I can rest and connect in God. But it's that discerning of what is God's will. That can be sometimes the challenging part. Like I said, we've got some of those concrete truths that we see in him. Um, but it's that day in and day out discernment and listening to God and hearing God that can seem daunting at times. <laughs> and, and and the the fun thing with that is that, you know, the we talk about this all the time within our, our huddle. It's this idea of how do I know that God is telling me or God has directed me to do this? How do I know mm-hmm. what God's will is? How do I know that God's speaking to us? It's much harder than we make it sometimes. It's also much easier than we make it sometimes. And that's what we see in Rome, the little section before chapter 12 in Romans eleven thirty three through 36 is that it, it explains to us why this is such a difficult thing for us to grasp. It says, Oh, the depths of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable his judgments and untraceable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord, or who has been his counselor, or who has ever first given him and has to be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable his judgment and untraceable his ways, for who has known the mind of God? This is why, (laughs) this is why it's so difficult, is because of the fact that no one can understand the mind of God. The gnos, the mind understanding reasoning of God. We cannot comprehend this. We cannot grasp it. But if we allow God to be the one that does the renewing himself, we can begin to start to understand what God actually has for us on the table. Yeah, And part of that, too, is that control factor where we like to right. feel like we are in control. We know, all right, God's given me at least part of this plan. So uh, this is how I want it to go. And I hope God still works it to the plan that I want him to follow out. And it's that really allowing him to work, not even in our timeline, um, which is the challenging part. Again, it talks about towards the end of uh, chapter 12 there of basically repaying evil or people that don't like you with kindness. We don't know the impact that that will make down the road for somebody in their lifetime. And so this is something that is very difficult to do, but also easy to do and also sometimes confusing to do. And so we're going to actually talk about how to do that when we come back right after this break. We'll be right back. Today's a great day to start your own podcast. Whether you're looking for a new marketing channel, have a message you want to share with the world, or just think it would be fun to have your own talk show, podcasting is an easy, inexpensive, and fun way to expand your online reach. Buzzsprout is hands down the easiest and best way to launch, promote, and track your podcast. Your show can be online listed on all major platforms within minutes of finishing your first recording. 
we just switched to Buzzsprout for Season 2 and have immediately noticed the difference. With Buzzsprout, you get a great-looking podcast website, audio players that you can drop into your websites, detailed analytics to see how people are listening, tools to promote your episodes, and more. Podcasting isn't hard when you have the right partners, and Buzzsprout and the Misfits want to help you get started. Contact us for a free consultation call, and then visit our affiliate link to get started with Buzzsprout. Using this link not only helps support the Misfits, but it also gets you a $20 Amazon gift card. The teams at Buzzsprout and Ministry Misfits are passionate about helping you succeed. Join over 100,000 podcasters already using Buzzsprout to get their message out to the world. To find out more, go to www.ministrymisfits.com backslash affiliates. Season 2 of the Ministry Misfits podcast and our awesome theme song are brought to you by Laird Creative Agency. In our social media world, the next connection is always one click or scroll away and your business has to be ready when they find you. That's why Laird Creative is always looking for ways to step your brand up. Whether you're looking to overhaul your brand one time with a new website or want to save money by outsourcing your graphic and media content, Laird Creative Agency is here to help. Laird Creative's mission is to take the difficulty out of the creative process. With Laird Creative, you'll find a dedicated team of artists ready to tackle any creative need that your business has, big or small. If you're looking for an easier way to share the vision of your organization through thoughtful branding and creative content, find them at LairdCreativeAgency.com to get started. Mention the Ministry Misfits podcast and get a free consultation call. Laird Creative, step your brand up. Back. Hey everyone, welcome back to Ministry Misfits. Andrew and I are still here, back in the new year, and today we've been talking about the renewing of our minds. So, kind of breaking it down from the beginning, we really took down Romans 12. We read the whole chapter initially, but are really honing in on verse 2 and breaking it down into four sections there of the don't be conformed, be transformed, the renewing of our mind, and then also for the discernment of God's will. And we we looked at the different sections and the big words in there. And so we looked at the idea of conforming and the fact that this is not the way that we normally hear it used a lot of the time. Because it's a personal conforming, but it's one that is almost a Plato-esque. Plato meaning the the toy, not the scholar. Plato. <laughs> yeah, we the other. <laughs> yeah. I just realized that could, that could get confusing if you didn't hear the first half Plato-esque type of conforming to whatever mold I am put in is how I will look. And this is how I am now defined transformation. We said was much more of a clay style transforming of ourselves of where we're molded, we're shaped, we're cut out. And it is a permanent fixture of how we look now. And that it is done through the renewal, a a refining process of our mind and our understanding and our thinking that is done by God himself so that we can actually have a shot at understanding the will of God. And how we ended was we were talking about the fact that God himself is the one that does all of this. The renewal of our mind is done by God himself. 
So now the question then brings, how do we actually see this accomplished? If God is the one that does all of this himself, what is it that we actually have to do in this whole process? <laughs> and to do yeah, that, yeah. we need to go back to the beginning of the chapter of Romans 12 and look at verses 1 through 3. It says, Therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewal of your minds, so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. Oh, sorry, I guess we only needed one and two. I don't know why it said three. So we're here looking at verses one and two. But the key there is verse one of we are to present ourselves as a living sacrifice. What does that mean, Brandon? What do you think that looks like? Because there's a couple of different layers to all of it. Yeah, and I was going to even point out, too, of that word sacrifice. It's, I feel like it's not something in modern day terms that we fully comprehend and know it's true meaning um we can say oh I, i'm sacrificing for somebody or i'm yeah sacrificing my time to do this but it just seems like you're more so tr a trade-off in in some in some sense in our modern context and so for that living sacrifice is that truly dying to oneself um i see it too as like a daily sacrifice too because it's something that we can easily forget about uh, with a sacrifice. It's taking it up to the cross, it's laying it before God's feet and, and saying, like, I'm not good enough. I cannot do this on my own. Like, Lord, I need you to help with that renewal process. So, yeah, it, it is. There's there's a couple of layers to this because one of the things that is going to be recognizable about the worry of a living sacrifice the book of Romans in general, it is written to Jewish Christians that are in Rome. And so this idea of you are to present yourself as a living sacrifice is going to hit a little bit harder for those for them reading this. Because the idea is you are to go and present yourself as an offering to the Lord, a living sacrifice as opposed to any of the other sacrifices, things like grain, money, anything else. Because with grain, with money, anything like that, it is, you're giving a portion, typically 10%, back to God and back to the temple. Mm -hmm. But with a living sacrifice, the sheep the bull, the lamb, you're giving 100% of that sacrifice to God. You're not getting any of it back. Once it's dead, it's dead. It is a 100% sacrifice to God that you are presenting as an act of worship. The other layer of this is what you were talking about as well, though, of this idea of it's a sacrifice of our lives daily because we are still alive, we are still living, we are still out in the world, and we are still acting. And so our our lives are a sacrifice to God as well. Mm -hmm. 
So what does this actually look like in relation to all this other stuff that we talked about at the beginning as far as not conforming and being transformed and having our minds renewed? The first part of this, of being a living sacrifice, is the fact that we are no longer going to be concerned with those conforming patterns that are around us. The things that are going to change us into something that is not what God has in store for us. And Brent, you brought up during the, the break how this how this happens as part of what we see in Ephesians with the armor of God. Yeah, so I'll uh, read that for a second because I do think, like I said, it's that daily sacrifice, which is challenging, honestly. Um, but if we think about going to battle, which neither of us have, but if you're going to war on a daily basis, you're not just going to typically say, oh, I'm just going to leave behind this certain piece of armor. or I'm just going to leave behind... Uh, my weapon today, I don't think I'm going to need it. <laughs> and I think we walk through our, our daily lives like that too a little bit. So I'm going to read from Ephesians 6 verses 10 through 17. Finally, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm, then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, and with the breast breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you extinguish the flames, arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So it's kind of just glossed over, honestly, a little bit in uh, 17. And I'm kind of glad that our church at one point, we actually went through each of the pieces of armor because we just see here at the end of 17, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of God. It's almost like that capping off point of, oh yeah, and don't forget your helmet <laughs> to protect yourself and a, a weapon, which is the word of God. Well, and, and even going back to the beginning part of that, where it's talking about, you know, protect yourselves from the principalities of the air, the evil around us. But then he said, our battle is not against flesh and blood. And this is the other side of when we talk about this idea of renewal versus conforming. Is we're back into the idea of the fact that we are not talking about the fear-mongering style of warfare, that culture warfare rather than spiritual warfare that we see within our world around us. Because it, it's not about what Disney is doing. That is not what we're worried about when we talk about not being conformed. What we are worried about, though, is our own hearts and attitudes with dealing with people at work that we don't necessarily like very much. Or having to do, having to get up to do certain things throughout the day that we don't want to do. 
about actually having to pray for somebody that you don't like, having to actually pray for somebody that you don't like that's in office is that that one right there is enough to have both sides of the country start freaking out half the time. (laughs) That is much more of what we are actually talking about when we are talking about these sort of things, because we don't have to worry about the stuff that the world has got going on. We don't have to fear that that is not who our battle is against. Our battle is not against flesh and blood. It's against our own flesh and the evil around us that is trying to conform us to their identity rather than the identity of Christ that we are putting on when we put on the armor of God. We're putting on the helmet of salvation. That salvation only comes through Christ. We're putting Mm -hmm. on the shield of faith, and that faith is found in Christ alone. We're putting on the belt of righteousness and that righteousness is is held or that righteousness comes from Christ alone. It's Christocentric in nature because that is who we are now identifying with. Because that is how we are to renew our minds. Is we are letting Christ and Christ's spirit do the work for us. We're just protecting ourselves through Christ and not our own works. And that does lead us into the second part of how we do this, which is we're no longer going to be concerned with our own will and our own understandings. Because our own will and our own understandings normally are not going to turn out well. (laughs) No. Yeah, absolutely not. Because um, if we think about it, I think sometimes the question that comes up within here too is, all right, well, well, who's in control of my mind? Like, can the devil read my thoughts? Like, can God read my thoughts? Am I just in control of that? Like, where is this mind <laughs> coming from? And who who can see into it? Can you see into it, Andrew? Because I'm hoping you can. Um, <laughs> well, I, I was able to see I was able to see your thought process during 12 Days of Misfits, but that's not what we're talking about. <laughs> sure, you, know, you can see you the know, scrambling going on, but <laughs> yes, we could see the lack of understanding going on quite quite clearly, but. You know, what we're actually, you know, this is a question that was brought up a few days ago on Twitter, this idea of, you know, the devil is not a deity. The devil has no actual authority or power over us. He's cunning and a deceiver, and he is able to do great, powerful things in the world but he does not have any power over us. Especially for those of us that are clean to the promises that we've already talked about throughout this entire episode. Mm-hmm. You know, our, our own desire is going to be going away from what God has called us to. Satan doesn't pull or push us any certain way. Our own desire will do that. What Satan does is deceive us into thinking that maybe we're not as far away as we think we are. Which doesn't take take much work. That's a pretty easy thing to do when we're wanting to have that happen in the first place. Yeah, no, it doesn't. It really, that transformation, um, if we go to seeing like where our roots are at, it's really in our own fleshly desires. It's not to live by the Spirit. So there has to be almost that 180 flip, that transformation that happens 
through Christ only, um, nothing really by our own efforts or will. It's not that change of the calendar as we're talking about where, okay, January 1, my mind is going to be renewed. Like it doesn't happen <laughs> as easily as that. Um, and I'm going to bring us back even into Ephesians because there's another verse that kind of pops out to me is Ephesians 2 verses 1 through 3. And, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins and once you once walked following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passion of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. So that can be a little harsh to hear <laughs> of how we once lived before um, we were followers of Christ, but it's also good to know of that direction our body and our hearts and our minds want to go. I think of it as a rudder at times where on like a boat where it's like, it's that pull where it's wanting us to go. Or if we haven't um, done the maintenance on our car for a while, the car pulls a certain direction and it's like, it wants to go left. It wants to go right. Our bodies want to go toward fleshly passions and desires because it feels comfortable. It feels good for ourselves, but it's really that transformation that the more we do it, the more that we're in God's love, um, we see that he has that goodness and desires for us. Because I think sometimes as well at the beginning of our faith, or, or maybe when we're not people that aren't into faith initially, we think that God is holding out something on us, that mm -hmm. he does what's good for us and that there's I'll wait till I'm older before I start following a Christian life because I want to take up as much as I can now. <laughs> and that really and, is the idea of not understanding God. Yeah. It's the not understanding the will of God. It's this idea of this does not seem like it's beneficial or enjoyable for me. I can't figure out how in any way, shape or form this would be something that I want to do. And so why would I do that when I could be doing this? Yeah. Why would I tithe if I can keep this for myself? <laughs> right. Why would, why would, why tithe? Why spend all day pulling carpet up at a church? Why going out of our way to help the guy on the side of the street? Why pull over and change the tire for somebody that's perfectly capable of doing it? The, none of that, none of that has any benefit to me. Mm -hmm. Why, you know, why take, why take time when I could be sleeping to be going in and reading, reading the scriptures? Why do I, you know, turn off whatever movie that everybody else is talking about? All of those sort of things are counter to what our personal will and understanding would say is beneficial. You know, that's part of what Paul talks about when he says, you know, all things are permissible, but not everything is beneficial. Yeah, you can go out and do this stuff, and it may not even make you conformed. But is it actually going to be beneficial for you? And that leads us into this third part of how we actually do this living sacrifice thing. Is that we're no longer reliant on our own anything. Which is also Ephesians 2, but the, ver the next verse that you didn't read. And actually just the next two words that you didn't read. <laughs> 
as it talks about, you know, it, we have all this bad stuff in our past, in our will, in our understanding, in our in our lifestyles, and everything is bad. And then, but God. Hmm. You know, those two words, but God, are probably the, I honestly argue they are maybe the most powerful two words that we have in Scripture outside of when Jesus responds in John 8 with I am. Hmm. Because it everything in scripture is reliant on those two words of but God. Mm-hmm. And that's really what and we even said that's what the actual meaning behind renewal of our mind is, is that God is doing this and he is bringing you through a process to completion. It is because of God, but God did this for us. You know, that is what it is that we are talking about is God is the one that we are reliant on. That's why we talk about everything being Christocentric around the armor of God. Because it all is identifying us with the fact that we are completely useless on our own. You know, nobody is going to be scared of somebody coming in battle wearing a Misfits logo. <laughs> Although now I'm thinking we need to try and get like armor stuff so check out see if that comes up on the store anytime soon for those of you that are wanting that but you know nobody's going to be scared of that unless everything that is associated with that is already associated with christ Mm -hmm. you know nobody is going to be scared of scripture if they aren't already associating the fact that this is the authority of god not man yeah that's why it carries weight and power is that it's not us and it's not even the Bible. You know, this is the other discussion that keeps coming up that maybe we'll have on here eventually as well. The Bible is not something to be worshipped. The Bible is not God. The Bible is not a God. The Bible is a tool. It's the sword of the spirit. We already talked about that in it back in, in Ephesians 6 with the armor of God. It's a tool to be used. What should be worshipped and what should be taken at his word is the author of this book, not the book itself. Mm. Because it's not about us and our own understanding. If it was just about the book itself, then we're relying on the will and understanding of the actual people that wrote the ink onto the paper. Yeah, and there wouldn't be as much need for Jesus either. Right. Because why Why would we need that in terms of there would be no need for Jesus as but God, as mm-hmm. I am. All we would need is just the Son of Man has come. Yeah. Going back into some of the stuff we talked about during 12 Days of Misfits again. You know, the next and when that happens, it takes us to the next place of we're no longer going to be concerned with our own status. You know, that's what the rest of the chapter is about in in Romans 12. Doesn't matter what my gifting is, because it's not about me. Doesn't matter if I'm on stage or if I'm back in the the nursery where nobody can see me. Although there's a place that you need armor. Just saying. (laughs) It doesn't matter because it's not about me or my status. Everything is about who I now have conformed into the image of, which is Christ. And I have been transformed into that image. 
through the renewal of God himself. My ethics have changed. It's no longer about me or what keeps me alive or what benefits me and my family. But it's about what benefits the community as a whole, both the mm-hmm. church community and the community that I'm living in and the community that of, of kids that my, my kids are with and the teams that they are on. It's no longer about me and my own personal desires. And this even feeds into what we see throughout the rest of Romans. In, in chapter 13, Paul goes into how Christians are supposed to respond to government, and it's completely opposite of anything else that we have read about how people should act with their governments. Because Paul tells, tells them, they're there for your good even as they're chopping your head off. <laughs> and so you submit to them and you honor them even as they're chopping your head off. You know, Paul dies at the hand of Rome getting his head chopped off. But yet he also wrote that Rome is there for our good. Hmm. Because God is the one that has all authority and he decides the times and the places. That is not something that can be said unless it is no longer about us and it is all about God. And this really is why we focus so much into our three tiers when we talk about doing all of these things. You know, the, the three tier paradigm is not what we are talking about when we talk about renewing of our minds, but it show it helps us keep that idea in place. Cause what are the three tiers, Brandon? The Christocentric theological truths, the um, philosophical principles, and then methodological, I can't say that one today. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, So Christocentric theological truths are what we built everything on. Mm -hmm. Why? Because it focuses us back in on Christ with anything that we are claiming to be theology. Anything we are claiming to be truth is focused in on the truth. Because it's not about us, and it's not about what we want, and it's not about how we think. It's about the mind of God. Christ is at the center. You know, the way that we think now, if every if Christ is at the center, then now the way that we think is going to be keeping Christ at the center, which means that our philosophies are changed. They're transformed, they're renewed to a biblically-based understanding of who Christ is. And if we are thinking that way, and we are focused on keeping Christ at the center, then our actions are going to follow suit. Because it's not about us, and it's not about our own show. It's about Christ at the center where he belongs, and Mm -hmm. us as a living sacrifice doing what we can to keep him there. Yeah both in our own lives and in the lives of those around us. So the question now then, Brandon, is what should we actually do to renew our minds? How do we actually do this? <laughs> yeah, like I said, that's, it's that daily sacrifice, which is the challenging part, I'll say, of, I want to say being aware and on guard in a sense of like that armor of God, um, but also being rooted in scripture of I think of like that meditating of our minds of meditating on the, of God's word is what comes to mind for me of 
when we're in situations or even when Jesus was tempted by the devil to do different things or even just, I'm going to twist scripture just a little bit to make it sound good and sound like truth. Um, when the rubber hits the road, like where is our truth coming from? Um, if it's in God's word, if it's in Christ, then when we're faced with situations that we don't know how to handle, um, we can rely on the Holy Spirit who is with us, who can hear our mind and our thoughts um, and can help us transform and, and um, look more like him. I like the way that the fact that you worded it the way you did with the idea of, you know, it's the meditation on these things. This was another discussion that came up this week from somebody that was claiming that if you did not spend two to three hours a day just straight reading your Bible, not meditating on it, not thinking on it, not studying it, just reading it, then you were unfit for ministry. But that's not what Scripture actually shows us. No. That's not what it means to be to have God renew your mind and to be transformed to understand his will. It's much more than just reading it. It's taking it in and allowing God to do the work of renewing our mind. Mm -hmm. Which means that sometimes that looks like two to three hours of studying it if you're able. Sometimes that looks like hearing a verse or a psalm that triggers it to come back in and you're and suddenly now that's all you are thinking about throughout the day. Sometimes it's something as simple as I read it. I have no idea what this means. So I'm just going to accept that. I don't know what this means. Pray on it. Ask somebody later. And of, as you go, God will see it through to completion. Mm -hmm. If it's something you need to understand, God will reveal it. If it's something that you don't need to understand, the joy and the peace, using combining 22 and 23 for you there, Brandon, the there joy and the peace will come to under to be able to say, it doesn't matter if I don't understand this because it's not about me. And this is what it looks like to renew our minds, is an understanding both of the fact that I am not able to understand any of this without God. Hmm. I'm not able to do any of this without God. And even sometimes with God, I still may not understand this and that's okay. Because even that idea of I don't understand this and that's okay is different than what our flesh wants us to say. And understand that God is going to see it through to completion because God is faithful and just to do it. Mm -hmm. So let us know what you think. How do you go about living as a sacrifice? How do you go about renewing your minds? What are you hoping to have renewed throughout this next year? We've got some exciting stuff coming up for to, to close out season two. We're going to be, some stuff is heavy, some stuff not so heavy. We're going to be talking, hopefully if we can get schedules worked out, we're going to be talking with Prudy Ray out of India um, to talk about the, the caste system and how he is fighting that in his home country through theology and through the gospel, as well as Hindu nationalism compared to Christian nationalism um, there, there in India. Joe Ash, our boy Joe Ash from Canada, is coming back on. 
we're going to be talking slaveholder theology, which is a huge debate. Um, shouldn't be, but somehow it still is. We're going to be talking about that whole whole mess with Joe Ash. Um, we're hoping that Nomadic Soul, those of you that are on Twitter know who I'm referring to, is going to be able to join us if schedules work out to talk about what it actually means to uh, leave a church and and the pain and everything that's associated with that. Um, we're also going to be talking with the guys over from whole, the whole church podcast on church unity, as well as an event they got coming up. And we are going to dive in and actually just address Christian nationalism as a whole and just get that whole mess out of the way as well. So Brandon, what else do we have? We've got, there's something I'm missing. I feel like that's it for, our, uh, upcoming topics. We've, we've, if you're a coffee lover like myself, we do have the new yes, the store stories. up on, on our website, ministrymisfits.com, um, so where you can check out the affiliate link there, there for Giving Bean, where you can purchase coffee, K-Cups. Uh, I think they've got cocoa, tea, some other different stuff. I think cookies cocoa, maybe. tea, cookies, coffee, accessories, all the, all the good stuff. And we get a pretty good percentage of all the purchases that are purchased from there as well. Um, and I believe that it will just, you know, I, it's a pretty quick turnaround that it'll be uh, shipped out to you. And from what I understand, the coffee is good, but I don't like coffee anyway. So I'm probably not a good <laughs> judge of that. Yep. And then if you'd also like to become a Patreon and support us as well, there's a couple different levels that we have available at $5, $10, 25 or is it 20 20 and 100, I believe, which we have a couple hundred slots left and then, you know, all the other good stuff. Not only does does that money come to support us, but it also gets you access to some exclusive stuff. Um, We're hoping to have more exclusive stuff coming out here soon. Um, Some early access to some of the blogs, things like that, as well as some exclusive merchandise for our Patreon customers also. So, Brandon, we made it to 2023. At least I think it's 2023. I don't even know what year it is at this it point. Is. I've only, I've only uh, written it down incorrectly once so far. So Well, I've, I wasn't allowed out of the house until two days ago, so I haven't even had a chance to write it yet. So <laughs> we'll be back next week. I don't remember what we got next week, but we'll be back next week. Hopefully, Brandon and I will finally be able to reunite together as well. In the meantime, we will see you all next week. The Ministry Misfits podcast is a production of Ministry Misfit Media in association with Overwhelming Victory. Dr. Greg Linville and Andrew Fouts are our executive producers, and Brandon Simmons is associate producer. The Ministry Misfits theme song is written and produced by J.D. Laird and Laird Creative Agency. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can email us at ministrymisfitmedia at gmail.com or by following at Ministry Misfit on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. You can also visit our website at www.ministrymisfits.com or through bio.link backslash ministrymisfits. If you would like to support Ministry Misfits, you can become a patron by going to patreon.com backslash ministrymisfits.